Well, you guys, welcome back to the Lively Pod. We have our first guest speaker of the year. And let me just tell you, it is a phenomenal episode. If you are looking to get your nutrition on track this year, looking for the big picture and how to make it your lifetime goal of hitting your health and wellness habits this year in 2023, this is the episode for you. So before we dive in with Amanda Nyber, registered dietitian, she created her own business called The Lean Program, Living Energized and Nourished and serves thousands upon thousands of clients every single year to help reach their fitness goals. She runs the Lean Program, and I have a discount code for you guys. If you want to use it, it's called Lettuce. Just type in Lettuce, and you get a significant discount off of any of her programs. So I highly recommend you jump in there. Her link is in the description below. And also, something new to the podcast this month is subscribers you are welcome to subscribe and support the podcast now on spotify and so if you want to click the link down below at anchor.fm support you will be able to support me on this podcast so that i can continue to make content and put out weekly episodes for you guys and it would just honestly mean the world to me if you could support you can support with as little as 99 cents a month or up to $10 a month, up to you. But it would really help all of this effort that goes in behind the scenes to make this podcast a reality. So without further ado, let's dive in to the episode with Amanda Nyberg. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to the Lively Pod. I'm so excited for this week's episode as we have Amanda Nyber, registered dietitian. You all have heard me talk about her a ton before as she is my boss in the Lean program and is just honestly kicking ass at what she does. And we're going to talk all about nutrition with her today because it is that time of year. 2023 has just begun, and I know a lot of you all have health and wellness goals that we want to get started in a sustainable, healthy manner. And so I thought, who better to guest star today's episode than Amanda Nybert herself? So I would love for Amanda, if you could just kind of talk about a little bit how you got into nutrition, what you do in the field, and a little bit about lean in general. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Boss feels just like a really heavy word. So <laughs> I would just the I best like, boss around. Well, I feel like we are uh, collaborators, you know, <laughs> there you go. helping people reach their health and wellness goals because it, it takes a village, right? It does. It does. Oh. It really is. Well, I'm excited to be here again. My name is Amanda Nybert. I'm a registered dietitian. Um, I actually started my you know, career in the hospital setting um, for almost two decades and was really focused on just weight loss, health, wellness, worked with a lot of, you know, people that had chronic illness, diabetes, hypertension, you know, renal disease, all of those things. And, you know, what I found at the end of the day is that regardless of the disease state in which someone was dealing with, um, the foundation was always around food. And, you know, uh, I was, you know, just trying my my motto has always been keep it simple. And, you know, I always felt like people were coming to me just overwhelmed and frustrated because there's just so much noise in the space of nutrition, especially in the healthcare, because, you know, there's one diet for diabetes and there's one diet for heart disease. And, you know, my philosophy is, is at the end of the day, it's just about, you know, eating well, whole foods, um, optimizing your macronutrients and your micronutrients. And so I really just wanted to bring that message to kind of the masses. And um, that's how I stepped into this kind of online space, um, created my lean program, which stands for living energized and nourished and just trying to help people make simple, uh, sustainable lifestyle changes for the good. Absolutely. I love it. I actually met you in the hospital because that's where I got started with you. And then you kind of started lean, I think the year after that, and it has right. just grown and grown and grown from there to so many clients. 
Yeah, exactly. You were my um, little intern. (laughs) I was, I was. Um, And so I would love to hear about a lot of our audience here is kind of teens, 20s and 30s. And so kind of how your approach to nutrition and kind of mindset around it can specifically help that kind of audience there. And then also just in general, how how nutrition can kind of come to be a goal in someone's life, because a lot of us are focused on weight loss or so surrounded by numbers. And so I would kind of love to hear how you go about setting nutrition goals and your approach to nutrition in the lean program. Yeah. You know, I think I'm 45 years old, so I am the grandma in the room, but you know, I think about when I was in college and the crazy things I did to try to be lean and lose weight and um, at the expense of not only my health, but my overall long-term metabolic rate. And I always think I'm like, man, if I knew then what I know now, I, I life would have been just so much easier. So I love the audience that you get to um, reach because, you know, what you have to realize is that the things you, the silly things that we do in our twenties and thirties to, you know, lose weight and, and maybe be healthy, they don't work in the long run. And, Mm -hmm. and so establishing those healthy habits early on, you know, the simple things, I call it the foundational work that really matter, that are really going to maximize your metabolism, that are really going to maximize your blood sugar regulation, that are going to make you feel your best is really going to give you the longevity that you should be striving for, you know, in in terms of the short-term results. And I know we're filming this at the top of the year, and this is all, you know, like you said, it's New Year's resolution time, and we all feel the effects of the fun that we had through the holidays and you know, a lot of us are just thinking, you know, how can we get back or get started kind of as quick as possible? And um, my philosophy now is really um, helping people to understand that it's the small things that you do consistently every single day that matter the most versus kind of the quick fixes, the, the extreme restriction that you may implement for a couple of weeks um, that will ultimately create that kind of yo-yo diet response. So, um, when I think about, you know, my nutritional philosophy, it it definitely, um, begins with whole food nutrition. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I remember back in, in college, you know, the challenges, the challenges that you face, um, in that age group is you're living on fast food, you're living on, you know, um, dorm food, or I don't even, I don't even know what they call it. Yeah. And you're also being promoted with like skinny teas and detox meals and all of this, especially in today's era where it's like all social media, you're just being pushed these quick fixes and it can be so just like you said earlier, it's just a bunch of noise in this space. And it's like, what is, or how can you distill that, which it really does come down to whole food nutrition. A lot of times where like no one can combat the power of fruits and vegetables and protein um, in the diet. It's like, keep it simple. I mean, yes, you can eat out, but what are you choosing? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, what, what options are you navigating? What are you focused on? And, and when it comes to the nitty gritty of nutrition, um, you know, I believe that um, when when we break it down in terms of macronutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, you know, a lot of people are really um, focused on carbs and fats, you know, cut the carbs, cut the fats, you know, that's what we should be focusing on. But my focus is really add the protein, add the fiber, mm-hmm. you know, when you add protein to your diet, when you add fiber, high fibrous foods to your diet, guess what? You feel full you feel satisfied, you know, you don't feel the need to kind of nibble and grace all day long. Um, Those foods are also going to give you the most um, nutritional value. You know, a lot of people are struggling with a lot of symptoms or side effects of uh, nutritional deficiencies. Like for example, if you crave, you know, chocolate, um, that's a magnesium deficiency. 
And you're not going to, you know, address a magnesium deficiency with a skinny tea. Um, You've got to address it by eating foods that are rich in magnesium. Um, If you have a thyroid issue, I know that we have an epidemic of young women dealing with thyroid issues. I mean, again, when I was in high school, when I was in college, girls didn't have PCOS. They didn't have Mm -hmm. Hashimoto's. They didn't have low thyroid. So why do we have that now? Well, because you're not getting enough iodine. You're not getting enough selenium. You're not getting enough zinc. Um, and, and, um, a, a niacin and a lot of those vitamins come from protein, you know? So again, it's like, we're combating, you know, side effects and symptoms with, you know, band-aids that aren't even really addressing the main issue. And it's like, when you focus on, um, you know, making your diet rich and, you know, adequate macronutrients, as well as, adequate micronutrients, you just ultimately your body works better and you feel better. So number one, it absolutely starts with whole foods, quality protein at every meal um, and tons of color. Like, how do you know, like what's whole foods? I always say whole foods have a ton of color. Um, We did a challenge in uh, our monthly membership um, a couple of months ago that was really powerful. And this is something that you can challenge yourself in the new year try to eat 30 different plants a week. Um, And and clients loved that. That was such a good challenge. And people didn't realize how hard it was going to be. It was a definite challenge to get in 30 every single day. And it doesn't have to be big amounts. It just had to be like a few toppings on your salad or something like that to get there. But it it was eye-opening to me. I mean, I kind of effortlessly hit maybe 15 to 20 every week, but you know, to get that 30 was a challenge. And what I recognized is that, man, I tend to eat the same, you know, yes, I Mm -hmm. eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but I'm eating the same ones. And that nutritional load is going to be different with every different type of plant that you eat. And when we talk about plants, we're talking about, you know, rice and quinoa, we're talking about grains, we're talking about fruits, we're talking about vegetables, we're talking about herbs and spices. So, um, you know, again, it's all about maximizing your, um, you know, your nutrient load, because when your body is sick and fighting nutritional deficiencies, it ultimately just makes weight loss harder. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, typically that's everyone's end goal. You know, we want to lose weight. We want to look our best. Um, but you know, if you're doing it with a lot of just kind of unhealthy methods, it's usually a temporary fix. Yeah. And I love all of your language surrounding like maximizing something we've talked about a lot on the podcast before is crowding out. Like you want to crowd out bad behaviors with good ones. You want to crowd out processed foods with whole foods. So instead of kind of coming from a deprivation mindset, which I feel like a lot of people kind of turn to at the new year, they're like, I'm cutting out all of the sugar that I ate at Christmas. I'm cutting out all of the cookies all of the junk food. And then you're left with, oh, I guess I'm eating broccoli and chicken for every single meal from here on out. Cause you can't think of anything. It's like, no, wrap your head around the concept of maximizing, of crowding it out with all of these challenges to eat more plants and vegetables and fruits and kind of increase all of your sources. And yes, it won't leave as much room on your plate for the other stuff, which is a great benefit, but you're also just getting so much more out of it than kind of coming from that restrictive mindset that can really cause that kind of all or nothing shutdown where you're either all in on your chicken and broccoli diet or you're all out eating junk food and cookies and all of the things. And so instead looking at it from that maximization type perspective, I think is a really powerful way to go into it. Yeah, I I love that. And, you know, I think this time of year, it's all about what I can eat, you know, oh, well, I can't have this and I can't have that. And, you know, when we go from eating all the things, you know, these past couple of months to trying to eat, be so restrictive, most people fail. And so that mindset of focusing on everything you can eat. And here's another challenge, especially when you're talking about social media, like since since, I mean, we love to, I mean, now they're saying kale is bad for you. You know, oh they say uh, tomatoes are bad for you. I mean, now it's like, we're villainizing whole food. The good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just making it so much harder for people to be healthy because 
I would much rather someone be grabbing a kale salad with grilled chicken than a hamburger and french fry. But now, again, we make it we make it seem like that nothing's good for us. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, fruit is another one that I see people get really worked up about. You know, I mean, obviously there's this obviously there is this kind of narrative with regards to the importance of blood sugar management. And I am on I agree with that. Um, But I always tell my clients, like if you're coming off, you know, a a weekend of poor eating or a month of poor eating and you have a lot of sugar cravings, eat a ton of fruit, like don't restrict yourself of fruit. Because again, a lot of times those cravings are just your body asking for those micronutrients. Mm -hmm. And so if you take the next couple of days to say, you know what? Anytime I have a sugar craving, I'm going to grab a banana. I'm going to grab an apple. I'm going to grab some berries. I'm going to grab any type of fruit to address it. In about four to five days, guess what? Those sugar cravings go away. Whereas if you use this whole like willpower mindset, you know, like Mm -hmm. no sugar, you know, I'm going to do a sugar detox for the next 30 days. Eventually it like, it compounds itself to the point where you are overwhelmed with this craving. And instead of addressing it in a healthy way, like grabbing some fruit, you grab a bag of Skittles, you know, you you grab a a candy bar. Um, And I see that all the time, you know, with, with uh, clients that I work with and they're like, oh, I don't eat fruit, you know, because it's bad for me. And I'm like, well, so what did you do when you had that sugar craving? Well, you know, I ate some candy. Okay. Well, you'd have been better (laughs) off, you know, kind of eating the fruit. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when we talk about whole food, like there is no vegetable that's bad for you. There is no fruit that's bad for you. There is no whole animal protein that's bad for you. You know, um, simple things like rice and quinoa, um, even, you know, just like simple pastas and things like that. They're not bad for you. Okay. Um, so when you look at it in the sense of I'm going to eat an abundance as much as my body requires, because your hunger is always going to be super high those first couple of days, Um, And I just say, keep eating, keep eating, eat, but eat the right foods, because as soon as you give in to the wrong foods to address that hunger, you restart that cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. So whole food nutrition is definitely one of your nutrition foundations. What would you say are your other kind of core principles? So I would say number two is hydration. And Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of electrolytes. You know, again, it goes back down to that micronutrient issue. You know, most people are not getting enough sodium, potassium, magnesium, um, and incorporate, you know, uh, good forms of electrolytes, you know, electrolytes that have zero to no calories that have um, non-caloric natural sweeteners like stevia um, in your daily water routine is really powerful. Uh, You know, a lot of people are walking around thinking they're hungry all day long, when in reality, we're just dehydrated. We're just not drinking enough hydrating liquid. And in a lot of cases, simply drinking water alone actually makes that worse. Um, because you, you know, flush out those electrolytes even more. So I'll see this all the time in the new year, you know, people will eat less and drink a ton of water. And, you know, by day four, they feel horrible because they're Mm -hmm. under eating and they're, they're washing out all the things that make their body, you know, electric, you know, in terms of uh, those electrolytes that make their systems work. And so you feel really run down and tired and grouchy, you know, that's when you kind of get the hangry type of stuff. So um, hydration is number two. I think it's, it's a simple, you know, strategy, but I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to get in, you know, a good 60 ounces of water a day, um, especially as a, you know, a young adult, you're probably living on um, coffee and uh, mm-hmm. cappuccinos and energy drinks and um, alcohol, which I'm sure we can kind of touch on. Um, so hydration is number two, super simple. Yep. I have my electrolytes sitting right next to me, my LMNT of the day. And then I'll probably switch over to Ultima here soon, but I always try to drink them because I don't know if you know, but I'm doing the 75 hard challenge. And so I've talked oh. about that on the podcast before, but it's 128 ounces of water. So you better believe it is packed with electrolytes and almost every single one just to make sure that I'm not kind of flushing my body and getting that effect that you're talking about where you just feel lethargic and just done and fatigued. Yeah, 
that that's a lot of water. <laughs> it is, it is, but it, it makes me feel dip. so good. And like, I can already tell a difference and like, you just get glowy and it just, yeah, it helps so much. And yeah. so definitely hydration along with it. And it's also interesting because I just remember learning in all of my nutrition classes in undergrad that once you get to like the dehydrated state of like your mouth is dry and all of this, like you're having those dehydrated symptoms, you're so far into your dehydration state. Like you should have been having water hours ago before your mouth runs dry. Like just because your mouth runs dry, that's not your first signal of thirst. And so just recognizing that. And I think the key there is knowing that hunger and thirst are a lot of times the same cues. And so knowing to turn to your water bottle. Um, I know like a big trend right now is the emotional support water bottle between your like hydro flask or like Stanley, like one of those really big ones that you carry around with you everywhere. And just through the act of carrying it around, you are going to drink so much more water. And so I always recommend that to everyone. I'm like, just carry it around with you. If you are carrying around something that is 40 ounces and metal, you are going to want to reduce its weight. So just drink it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And I would say number three is, um, would be daily movement. You know, I mean, um, I, I always say sitting is the new smoking, you know, we are just not getting the type of steps um, and daily activity that we had been now. This may be, you know, something that is a little bit easier for this age group because you guys are, you know, kind of out and about uh, between classes and things like that. But, you know, ultimately your daily step count, I think, is one of uh, another kind of critical factor to look at. And, you know, I mean, I I think everyone says 10,000 steps a day, but I don't think that that's always a realistic goal for everyone to start at. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, I always say, if you're averaging 5,000 steps a day and you shift to averaging 6,000 steps a day, it matters. You know, I did the math. That's an extra 72 miles a year that you walk just adding 1,000 extra steps a day. So, you know, being aware of your your step count and and giving yourself a good solid minimum for every day. Because I think uh, another mistake that people make is, you know, they'll they'll look at their average and maybe Monday through Friday you're sitting a lot, but Saturday and Sunday, you know, you get double the steps or you get triple the steps. Well, here's the deal. Movement is one of the most powerful ways to increase your metabolism and regulate your blood sugar, but it has to be kind of consistent kind of every day. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at what your weekly average is, look at what you want your daily minimum to be. Um, And I always say, take your daily average right now. You know, if you're you know, typically your your lower average is 5,000 steps a day, then make it six. And on the weekends, when you're getting 10,000, 15,000, that's just a bonus. Um, so I think steps is just a really easy way to, um, again, optimize blood sugar and increase your metabolism. Yeah. And I think there are ways to habit stack with getting your steps in. Like, I feel like a lot of people just go outside for a walk and they don't do anything with it. And there's really powerful methods to kind of, you can listen to an audio book. You can listen to a book for school. You can listen um, to a podcast and kind of get out some of those routine things that you enjoy. You can even go and watch Netflix on the treadmill if you want to habit stack it with something like that, but just making sure that you're taking the time out of your day because I guarantee you something in your day that you're doing sitting could be done while walking, whether it's at a treadmill desk or like I said, listening to it on a podcast or something of that nature, but making sure that you're kind of finding those little pockets of time, even if it's just like three different 10 minute walks throughout your work day that can really add up in the end. Yeah, big time. Uh, Absolutely. And kind of piggybacking on steps, you know, um, women, especially young women, and especially young women who have Apple watches, they are cardio crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we love, you know, if we are doing structured exercise, and trust me, I was right there with you, you know, we love to spend hours on the elliptical and on the treadmill and on the spin bike and, and kind of all those things. And, And at the end of the day, that type of exercise does not support 
building a healthy metabolism, you know, or building a better metabolism um, as much as strength training does. You know, the reason why it's so much easier to manage your weight or, you know, to see weight loss when you're younger is because you just inherently have more muscle, you know, cause you're, you're younger. Okay. As you age, um, you lose, if you don't use it, you lose it. So as you age, you become more sedentary and you get a full-time job and you're behind a desk and you're not as active, you lose that muscle mass. So one of the best ways to sustain a healthy metabolism up until, you know, your 40, 50, 60, 70 is to um, really prioritize strength training. Um, you know, I think everyone should know their, their body composition. Everyone should know their percent body fat. Um, and as women, you know, we want to be somewhere between 20 and 30%. Um, and, a, and a lot of women are, are well above that. Um, so, you know, I encourage my clients, I'm like, don't focus so much on the number on the scale, because, you know, the number on the scale does not dictate your health. You can be mm -hmm. very skinny and very unhealthy and you can be, you know, 50 pounds overweight and very healthy. Um, so we now know that the number on the scale does not always, you know, translate into how healthy you are, but your body composition absolutely does, you know. So, um, you know, looking at that measurement and, and working to focus on strength training, um, type of workouts at least two times a week. You know, if you want to do mm -hmm. two cardio, two strength, um, you know, that's what I would focus on. But it, it's all about how can you sustain the metabolism that you have in your 20s, in your 40s and 50s? And that's one of the ways you can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know in the lean program, we talk a lot about like doing the bod pod exam, or we talk about a scale. It's called the fit track scale and I'll link it below, but it's great for looking at trends. And yeah. that I think is so important that like, it's not only about what is that one measurement compared to six months from now. It's also like, how are you trending? And like seeing your monthly fluctuation is something that like I've gotten really into recently is kind of seeing how my body fluctuates on a monthly um, schedule along with my overall trend, which is just so interesting because I think a lot of women specifically my age get really scared when their weight goes up around a certain time of month and then they freak out that they're like, blown it, like something's going wrong, whatever they're doing is not working anymore. And so they ditch it and try something else when in all reality, that's just their natural cycle of the month, but they're still trending in the right direction to reach their ultimate goal. And so I think having that kind of baseline trend is super important in terms of that body composition goal. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's exactly what, you know, they, James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, you know, are, are your habits putting you on the path in which you want to go, you know, mm -hmm. towards the destination that you're looking to achieve, or are your habits not putting you on the bad path, you know? Um, and again, I think in this kind of culture and time, you know, time of our, our, our beings of this kind of instant gratification and, you know, we all have ADD and, you know, we want fast results and, it's hard to see the big picture and it's hard to look at the things that you're doing um, in terms of how they'll impact you in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Um, but really that's the key. Absolutely. So are those your three nutrition foundations or is there a fourth? Three. I, yeah. I'm going to have to bring in one more because I feel yeah. like what's uh, definitely something that you guys need to address. You guys, you young people <laughs> need to address. And that is so Sleep, yeah, sleep, yeah sleep, absolutely. Sleep. Okay, talk know, more about that. Yeah, I mean, I so I I have a a, a seventeen year old and I have a, a fourteen year old and I make them bring me their cell phones every night at nine o'clock, and they hate me, you know. And I'm like, you're gonna thank me in the long run because I I, I tell them I'm like, this is my son. He's a baseball player, and I'm like, 
This is when your muscles are growing. This is when your body's recovering. This is going to make you a better athlete because you need this sleep. Whereas if you're staying up all night, scrolling on, you know, TikTok and Snapchat mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, you're not going to. And I know how distracting, you know, something as simple as a phone can be because trust me, I get lost in, in the swipe as well. Um, but sleep is such a chronic issue for everyone. And I think when you're young, you don't feel the effects of lack of sleep as much as when you get older. But I'm here to tell you, everything good in your life happens when you're asleep, okay? Especially when it comes to your health. Um, you know, I always, I always tell my clients, don't you ever wonder why you can get on a scale at 8 p.m. at night, which I always say you're a psycho if you do that, you know, um, and say you weigh, you know, 160 pounds and then you literally go lie in your bed and you wake up three pounds lighter. Well, that's because at night is when we expel all of our burned fat, you know, while we're sleeping, like we need that deep sleep. We need that REM sleep. We need all of that for all of these functions to happen, for our thyroid to work, for our brain to function, for our muscles to recover. And so if you're not, if you're not prioritizing sleep, you're missing all of that, all of those health benefits. Um, so I love an, an aura ring. So I have an aura ring to track my sleep. And um, I think it's probably one of the most uh, helpful kind of wearables out there. I'm not Mm -hmm. familiar with a lot of the other ones, but, you know, just simply being able to look at my sleep score every, every morning, I'm like, whoa, you know, you start to see kind of the impact it has and and how um, sleep impacts your hunger. So when you're sleep deprived, guess what? Your ghrelin is going to be higher. Okay. Ghrelin gur for your hunger hormone. So you're going to have, you know, more hunger. You're going to have more cravings. You're going to be more irritable. Um, you know, all of those things kind of, um, have such a significant impact. So when you can, you have to be prioritizing, um, a good, probably a good seven hours a night in, in terms of your kind of sleep goal. So sleep would be the last one that I would throw in there. Yeah, absolutely. And how have you kind of gone about optimizing your sleep? I know you've talked about the aura ring and then you've talked about the hours, but what are other kind of like tips and tricks for somebody who may only get five hours a night and they're like, where do I start? Cause that can be, I know that can be daunting. So a couple of suggestions. Number one, um, a sleep schedule is really powerful and I know it's hard in, in the, the, the part of life that you guys are in, but whenever possible, kind of going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time um, is really powerful in terms of improving your sleep schedule. Um, Sun exposure first thing in the morning, you know, so get up in the morning, you know, um, get outside. Um, Even if it's cloudy out, it doesn't matter. It's just like those UV lights, you know, those rays Mm -hmm. that you're getting from the sun, even behind the clouds are very powerful. Um, And, you know, it only takes about, uh, you know, a good 10 to 15 minutes out there. So that's another great time to like habit stack, like get out and take a walk, you know, for the first 15 minutes, get out and read your book, get out and study, you know, in that morning light, get out and drink your coffee. Um, But that morning light really, first off, it turns off the melatonin in the morning and it resets the melatonin for the evening. Um, So it helps you. So it's not going to help you with the sleep the night before, but it's going to help you with the sleep that night. So light exposure is really powerful. Um, a, a good sleep environment, you know, uh, research shows that your your bedroom needs to be about 67 degrees. It needs to be cold. You need to be bundled up, um, you know, tucked in tightly, um, you know, blackout, absolutely no light, even the littlest light from like your alarm clock. Um, anything like that can, even when your eyes are closed, your, your brain can actually, you know, sense that that light is there and, Mm -hmm. and that kind of impacts your sleep. So, you know, simple things like that. And I'm here to tell you, I've worked, you know, probably for the past four years to optimize my sleep and it is hard. It is hard. Um, but I think the past year I probably have gotten into a better groove. So, you know, again, it's just about, progress, not perfection, you know, implementing just the smallest strategy consistently and building on it over time to, you know, eventually get yourself in a better place. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I kind of want to do what we just did with sleep back to that whole food nutrition, because I know a lot of people reach out to me where they're either chronic under eaters or they don't have any protein in their diet. And so somebody who's starting out to want to kind of get into whole food nutrition, they're starting to explore it. Kind of like, let's cut through some of that noise in the space. And like, how would you recommend getting started by implementing kind of a whole food nutrition focus? Yeah, I mean, I I would say start with um, soups, salads, and stir fries, you know? I love that. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. That's awesome. Yes. Um, you know, foods that are going to give you, again, that variety, you know? I mean, you can make a big salad with a ton of different vegetables in it. And you may be like, oh, I don't really like vegetables. We'll put some ranch on it, okay? I mean, that's a step in the right direction. Um, so, and then making sure that your, you know, your soup, salads, and stir fries also always have a really good source of protein. I mean, um, I think everyone needs at least a deck of cards of protein uh, in their, in their meal. Okay. So that's about three ounces. Um, I'm probably going to have about two decks of cards, you know, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, uh, uh, definitely optimizing that protein is key, but, you know, adding that grilled chicken, adding that grilled steak. So it's like any time that you can find a meal that's going to incorporate again, like stir fries, you know, so stir fries have uh, usually have a lot of variety in vegetables and they have a yummy sauce on it, throw some chicken on it, eat a, a ton of stir fry vegetables, a ton of protein and a little rice, you know, um, soups are another one that I really love, you know, making like just a big pot of veggie soup, um, that's got some good protein in it that you can kind of, you know, eat off of, um, throughout the week, um, can be really helpful. And so I think back to kind of what you're saying is I always try to look at it as, you know, what do I add and, and what do I cut in half, you know? So mm -hmm. look at what you typically eat and say, I'm always, okay, where's my fiber? You know, where's my vegetable? Where's my protein? Where's my, you know, um, kind of starch is the way I look at a, a good meal makeup. Um, and if you're missing one of those, go find a way to find it. Like, for example, if I'm going to eat a burger, uh, you know, I'm going to make kind of like a burger salad. It's going to have a lot of lettuce, a lot of tomatoes, a lot of onions, you know, a lot of pickles um, with my burger versus, you know, one thin slice of lettuce you know, one thin slice of tomato, that type of thing. So again, maybe take one of the bun off or take the bun off, you know, whatever it may be, you know, you have a big burger salad with a small fry. Um, so again, it's just like, what can you add? And then what can you, you know, um, subtract, not completely, but just use less of Chipotle, Absolutely. you know, I mean, I love, um, looking at places like that, where you can get like a big burrito bowl and it's like, use a little rice and then use a lot of beans and a lot of meat and feed of vegetables and, you know, the guacamole and the salsa. Um, so it's really just about kind of like learning that portion control a little bit better. Absolutely. And I think learning about the macro first approach of like looking, where's your protein coming from? Where are you getting your vegetables in can really help also cut out decision fatigue, which I know is so hard when starting anything new is just like deciding when you're going to work out in your day. It always ends up getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back because you're trying to decide when to do it. But if you can just schedule it in, or if you're going to a restaurant, you're like, I have no idea what to eat because there are a hundred options here. It's like, find that big source of protein, find those good vegetables, and then add what you enjoy in on the side in a better portion. It can just kind of cut out some of that overwhelmingness factor of not knowing where to start. Absolutely. And I think in terms of nutrition, the other thing that I would just highlight for this, you know, age group is what you drink. Um, yeah. you know, the sugary coffee drinks, the sugary energy drinks, the the soda, the even juice, you know, like orange juice and apple juice. And, and then, I mean, you know, even alcohol, um, I feel like that that's an area that, you know, if you consume a lot of calories and those types of products, that is just super easy to cut out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Or at least cut back. 
Like if you do enjoy sugary coffees and you need to get through finals, there are ways to find good options. Like the macro barista is awesome on Instagram for like making those low um, calorie options that can help optimize those macros where you may be getting in some artificial sweeteners that we can work to cut back later, but you're still getting in a better option than that full sugar, 500 calorie drink that's going to cause kind of some barriers. Yeah, absolutely. Be, be, you know, uh, just be aware of those again, like healthy foods that are, you know, caloric and sugar bombs, like acai Mm -hmm. bowls and smoothies and, you know, things like that, that, you know, you think you're making a good choice when in reality you're, you'd be better off, you know, eating a donut or something. Yeah. I had someone talk to me about Jamba juice. They were like, yeah, I ordered this really great shake off Jamba juice. And I went and looked at it and it was made with like lemon sorbet and like some other type of ice cream and like had no protein. It was just ice cream. (laughs) I was like, interesting. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, everyone thinks it's a fruit smoothie. And so it must be good for you. And it's like, well, let's look at like what's in it and how maybe if you added protein powder and got in some other things, it would turn into a better option for you. But yeah, I mean, you talked about like that macro approach and, you know, we, what I tell people we teach is nutritional awareness and the lean Mm -hmm. program and and, and for some people it's triggering and it can be overwhelming, you know, but again, like as soon as I learned that one Krispy Kreme donut was, you know, 36 grams of carbs and, you know, 300 calories, well, then I, you know, uh, second guessed eating four of them. Um, yeah. So again, it just creates that nutritional awareness where, you know, at least I know the choice that I'm making, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm not doing it, um, um, blinded, you know, I'm, I'm making it with all the information that I need in order to, um, optimize my health or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important is just opening people's eyes to what they are consuming, because I've had clients who also just don't know where protein comes from Mm -hmm. and didn't know that protein could be in vegetables. And so I often tell people who are struggling with protein, if you don't eat enough of it right now, that's okay. We'll find sources, but you also don't have to go out and eat five grilled chicken breasts. You can get it from plant sources. And so if we can create this whole meal, I often tell people, go get a vegan cookbook. They're going to have some protein in there and then throw some like chicken or steak on top of it. And then you have this really, really yummy because I feel like vegan cookbooks just make vegetables taste so good compared to like where a traditional cookbook may really emphasize the meat. And then they're just like, okay, now grill up some asparagus and serve that with it. It's like, no, it kind of focuses on that veggies, making it taste really good and full. And then you can add on that grilled um, meat kind of on, not on the side, but like not as the main character anymore. And so kind of to do that just emphasizes it even more. Yeah, that's a great idea. I actually subscribed to Purple Carrot for a couple of months, which is a vegan kind of meal delivery service. Okay. Very reason is I just wanted to kind of step outside my comfort zone. I wanted to try vegetables that I didn't know how to cook or I didn't know what spices to use with. And then I would just grill up, you know, my own protein source to kind of go with it. And I learned so much um, during that time when I, you know, utilized that service. So um, that's a great idea. The other thing that I would mention is, you know, I feel like we all have our go-to meals. Again, I do feel like in, in this stage of your life, you are relying more on fast food, restaurant food, convenience food. So here's the deal. I bet you frequent the same five restaurants most of the time. And I bet you order almost the same thing each time. Look it up. Okay. Figure out what it is and then look and see if there's tweaks that you can make to your order to make it just a little bit healthier. Um, Or, you know, find another option that you enjoy eating, but would be a better choice. Um, So I think that that's, uh, you know, again, just that, again, back to that nutritional awareness. 
Yeah. And I know a great example that we often use with our clients is about Chick-fil-A. And it's like, you can have the grilled nuggets instead of the fried nuggets is a great alternative. But if you really love the fried nuggets, have those, but just don't have the sauces that give you like a huge bump in fat and sugar. And so you can kind of, kind of tailor what you enjoy based on yeah, your current order, but also what you value from that current order. Cause I know that I value the fried nuggets over the grilled, but I don't need any sauce with mine anymore. Like I don't order Chick-fil-A sauce anymore. Cause I don't really need it for that. Um, but if you're a grilled nugget person and have a Chick-fil-A sauce, that's still a great, well, well-rounded fast food order that you've made healthier by just kind of getting rid of one thing out of your order. Yeah. Making that one small swap. It matters. Yeah. Well, I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about social media. And so I know with social media comes a lot of inspiration, motivation, recipe ideas, and more in terms of getting healthy. But there's also so many negative side effects to social media, like fads and trending diets, misinformation, those detox teas we talked about, Photoshop, all of these things. And so these kind of sides of social media can make it hard to know what the right thing to do is. So do you have any advice for people who kind of feel overwhelmed by nutritional advice online and how to find that healthy balance with social media since you are so up in the social media business? Um, If you don't follow her, definitely go follow her. She's at Amanda Nybert on Instagram. I'll tag her down below, but she's killing it. Unfortunately, it's a job necessity because I would love to leave (laughs) the social media to you guys, but You know, I I think number one, if it sounds too good to be true, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. You know, Um, I think that there's just a lot of things out there where people are just making claims that are, I mean, they're just ridiculous. And, and I see it every day, even in my clients, you know, I mean, people will send me all the time, you know, what do you, Oprah just, you know, said, this is great for this pill is good for fat loss. And, you know, this wrap is good for this. And I'm like, boo, it ain't going to do nothing. Okay. You're just going to waste your money. So (laughs) I think that that's kind of number one. I think number two, it's, you know, again, when you have someone that has very polarizing views, um, I think that you're only getting one side of the story. And so, um, you know, you have to kind of keep that in mind, you know, I mean, if you're following um, a vegan, then they're probably going to, you know, tell, make you feel like animal protein is bad for you, you know? Um, So you kind of have to like question the source in terms of like what their intentions are. Um, And, and again, I mean, I think if, if you follow someone, they're like, kale is bad for you. I mean, if it's like common sense and you're like, what? how is that bad for you? Then it's probably not true. And, and what I like to just remind people is that, I mean, I think a lot of these people have good intentions and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things out there that are creating inflammation in the body, you know, uh, whether it be lectins and oxalates and, you know, Mm -hmm. phyto this and anti that, but when you're starting your wellness journey, that's not where you start. Like when you're, when you're just beginning to consider your health and wellness, you're not going to go on a lectin-free diet. You're just setting yourself up to fail, you know? And in most cases, if you just simply focus on getting rid of the, you know, the, the absolute crap that you're probably eating and replacing it with whole foods, it solves everything. Okay. And then if you make all these changes and you still don't feel well, then maybe it's time to consider taking lectins out or oxalates out or something like that. But, um, so I think when the, the claims are really, um, kind of polarizing and, and, you know, um, seem a little off, they probably are off, you know, they Mm -hmm. may apply to a small population, but they probably don't apply to, you know, the general population. Um, and again, I think it's, I think it's also important to, to look for, um, you know, well-credentialed sources. I mean, anybody can tout nutrition information today. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't, personal trainers out there that are giving out amazing information and that there aren't, you know, stay-at-home moms that are, you know, self-educated and and doing, you know, great work. But 
I'm saying for the most part, most people are ill-educated in nutrition um, and shouldn't be giving out any advice. So, you know, seek out, um, you know, uh, nutritional professionals to at least get your foundational advice and then use kind of the other stuff as, um, you know, uh, additional resources um, and things like that. Yeah. And I think a good clarification for that point too, is that like they're registered dietitian and like you can have your national board certified health coaches and people who have those credentials that you can turn to because anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. If you read one nutrition book, they can title themselves as a nutritionist, but they're not. And so kind of also looking for those specific credentials um, just to help you kind of identify those. Cause I know a lot of people are like, well, how do I know like what their credentials yeah. are? And so kind of looking for that registered dietitian is a super good one to look out for. Yeah. But that's great. So we have a few questions from Instagram um, and then we'll kind of wrap up because this has been a great talk and we've honestly covered a lot of what people asked, but someone asked how to restart after having a bad day, or as you like to say, eating like an asshole. I do. That's my tagline. Like, just don't eat like an asshole and you'll be okay. Um, You know, again, I think it just comes down to the restart is the, the following day, the following meal is eat in abundance, eat as much as your body needs, but make it the right choices, make it tons of vegetables, tons of fruits, tons of protein and, and quality grains. Um, and you may need to do that for a couple of days in order to, you know, offset the, the triggers and the cravings that a lot of sugar, a lot of processed food, a lot of alcohol is going to create. Um, but after you get through those first couple of days, then you're just going to notice that everything, like your hunger's better managed, your your intake is more controlled. You just don't need as much. Yeah, excellent. And then someone else asked how to kind of work on your nutrition goals and things when somebody isn't supportive. So like if your partner is not supportive or your family doesn't have the same goals, kind of how do you balance your nutrition with someone who kind of isn't on the same path as you right now? Just get rid of them. Okay. They're just not worthy. All right. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Honestly, one of the biggest challenges that we all face, whether it be your coworkers whether it be your husband, whether it be your children, whether it be, you know, your mother-in-law, there's always somebody, you know, who's just not on the same journey or has a lot to say about your journey. Mm -hmm. And I think in that case, you, you have to be really dialed in on your why. And I think when people struggle to find success without um, significant support around them, their why they're not grounded in their why, you know? Um, And when we talk about your why, it's like, so why are you getting up at 6 a.m. every morning to work out? You know, why are you aiming for 6,000 steps a day? And it can't be weight loss. You know, it's got it. Your why has to be bigger than that. Um, So I think that that's kind of the first place that you start is just making sure that you understand the identity in which you are trying to create. Um, I know James Clear talks a lot about that, you know, um, that and 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 that you start projecting that new identity. So that's kind of number two is that let the people around you know your intentions, you know. Um, your intentions is not that I'm going to quit smoking. Your intentions is that I am no longer a smoker, you know. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the identity you're creating. Um, you know, the identity I am a, you know, healthy person. That's the identity I'm creating. Um, and and letting them know your intentions. I mean, I think a lot of times for the most part, and and, and being open, especially about you know, people that are close to you in your household. I mean, sit down and say, listen, these are my goals in the new year. This is, you know, what I hope to achieve. And this is where I struggle. And this is where I could use your help. You know, now, Mm -hmm. obviously you can't, you know, it's like the saying mom's on a diet. Everybody's on a diet. Yes. Moms, we have a lot of control because, you know, we do the shopping, but you know, it's just like finding that middle ground in terms of like, I realize this is not your goal. I'm not pushing this goal on you. It's my goal. How can we come to an agreement on how, you know, I can create an environment that's going to set me up for success while still allowing you to live the life that you wish to live. 
Um, you know, for example, at work, if you have that coworker, you know, that has that candy jar on her, on her desk and, you know, every time you walk by, you're tempted by it, you know, ask her, ask her to throw it in your drawer, say, Hey, you know, I'm every time I come by, I'm so tempted by this candy jar. Can you throw it in your drawer and let everybody know if they want something they you, they can just ask or something. Um, and a lot of times people are open to that, you know, they, they want to do it. And, and that's the other thing is, is get the, you know, recruit, get people to, you know, to do it with you, maybe not do it 100%, but, you know, get them involved and um, show them that, you know, simple, small things that they could be doing to not only support you, but to support a better them as well. Absolutely. And just that relationship support too, because I think it's super important to sit down with anyone you're close with and talk about values, because I think you learn so much about somebody when you ask them what their value is right now, because they may have three or four different things that they're focused on, but maybe one or two really shine through. And if they're super career focused right now, that can help you prioritize a lot because if you're trying to prioritize quality time with them and trying to be with them all the time, but they are focused on really building their career, you're going to have to take a step back and really just value the time that you get to spend with them while supporting them in their career endeavors. And I feel like it's the same way regarding health and wellness is when somebody is really, really focusing on their health, you can support them in that without having that be your top priority if it's not. And so knowing that you can kind of have that conversation with somebody to figure out, hey, this is my top goal right now. These are ways you can support me, but you don't, that doesn't have to be your top goal because you don't want to force it on somebody. Cause that's also something I've learned in the health and wellness sphere after talking with people about it is that if somebody's not ready to commit to their health goals, they won't do it and it won't happen for them. And so kind of coming full circle back to that why and how that's so important. Yeah, 100%. And I think if you get to the point, I mean, obviously all of this stuff is easier said than done. You yes. know, again, I think that this is a very, um, it's a good question because it's an area in which a lot of people struggle. I think at the end of the day, if you, you know, utilize all those tools and stuff, and you're still struggling, then I think the best thing that you can do is to start to note the things in your environment, because that's what it is. It's the environment in which you're in um, or the scenarios you're in or whatever that trigger you to, you know, to deviate from the path in which you want to be. And then you got to look at those triggers and you got to say, well, okay, well, my husband is clearly not going to stop doing this. So I can't rely on him. So then how am I going to create the path to overcoming this, you know? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people will put their struggles on other people in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, oh, well, I can't do this because my husband, you know, or, oh, this is impossible because my kids. And at the end of the day, it's just an excuse because it is possible. You're just not, you know, really taking the time to sit down and determine what's it going to take to overcome this obstacle on your own without the support of your friends and family. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to look at it. Well, I feel like we have covered so much in this episode. It was so fun getting to talk to you, but I would love for you to now talk just a little bit about the Lean program, where they can find you on social media, um, and just kind of a little bit about that before we wrap up, just in case they want to follow up with you after this episode. Yeah. So um, again, my name is Amanda Nybert. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, all I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, all the things. Um, so you can pretty much find me anywhere. Definitely most active on Instagram. Um, and I do, uh, we have a seven week program called Lean, stands for Living Unenergized and Nourished. We also have a young adult program. We, we called it Clean because we wanted to be like college lean and the clean company came after us and they did. <laughs> it was very sad. <laughs> Apparently clean is trademarked um, with that <laughs> company. So um, we just kind of call it the young adult um, version of lean. And, um, and, and really, again, lean is a foundational program. It's really just about you seeing the benefits of doing these small habits consistently, you know, at least for seven weeks, but hopefully for the lifelong. Um, Lauren is our lead on in, in the young adult program. And um, in that program, 
we have tailored it to, you know, hopefully address more of the needs in this time in your life, you know, cooking for two and how to manage social situations and, you know, um, meal prep for, you know, one and just different things like that, you know, eating in the dorm and eating out and um, the different challenges that you're facing in your life right now versus what you potentially will face in the future. So, um, if you're not, and, and if you don't have a good knowledge of just solid, you know, practical, simple, you know, nutrition foundational information, it is absolutely the program for you. Um, because if you're trying to implement a ton of upper level strategies, because, you know, you see some person on Instagram doing it, and you think that that's the way to go, then again, you're probably just setting yourself up to fail. So we want to help you build a solid foundation. So then you can determine what of those upper level strategies would fit you the best. So um, yeah, check it out. I'm sure she'll have the link um, to more information about the claim. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I will have it okay. all linked below, but I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I feel like this was a perfect conversation, especially this time of year when everyone's trying to get on track, but I want everyone listening to this podcast to know how to kind of sustainably do it, how to welcome in all of the different healthy habits that we're trying to cultivate this year for the long haul and not just for the first month or two of the year. And I think they can really do that with a lot of the information that we spun off on this podcast. So thank you yeah. so much. Do it for the forever, not for the spring break. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love it. <laughs> well, perfect. That's where we're going to wrap up here. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you next Sunday for another episode of the Lively Pod. Bye guys.